What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What is up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Los Angeles Chargers. And let me tell you, we are definitely taking a deep dive on this one. So let's break it down. I don't want to waste too much time. I want to get into the nitty gritty. Because there's some players of heavy importance here. So we're going to get into it. Offensive line, big, important, fundamental changes, nada. Don't even got to worry about it. Skill positions, they added wide receiver Darius Davis, very fast guy in the fourth round. And they added wide receiver Quentin Johnson at 21st overall in the first round. So not any big losses, but there's two wide receivers added into the mix. Now, We're not going to talk about Darius Davis. He's not somebody we're projecting, but I do want to say he is a dynasty stash that I really enjoy. He's somebody that you don't even have to draft. If you have the space, just grab him, throw him on your taxi spot. He's tied to a good offense, tied to a good quarterback. He's got speed, which is the one thing that that offense has been missing for however long, which is why people loved to mock Zay Jones instead of Quentin Johnson to the Chargers. And Quentin Johnson's probably going to be taking over a Mike Williams role because Mike Williams probably won't be there for long. Keenan Allen's older. So there's going to be a huge changing of the guard at the wide receiver core for the Chargers here in a year or two. And Darius Davis might be part of that future if he can flash a couple times. So he's somebody that I do like um, because of the speed, because he gives the offense something different. And he's a guy who's got some good tape out there in college. So Darius Davis is a good stash. Obviously, Quentin Johnson, we will be talking about him. On the defensive side of the ball, they added linebacker Eric Kendricks, $14 million over two years. He'll play a role, not anything crazy. Added linebacker Dayan Henley at 81st overall in the draft, and that's the third round. Added defensive tackle in the second round, Tuli Tuipilotu. And so that might help and shore up their defensive line a little bit. So overall, I mean, they always deal with crazy injuries. Hopefully that doesn't happen to them this year, both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. But overall, I would say their defense might be a little bit better. Their offense, though, is definitely going to be better. This could be one of the most improved teams that weren't like a horrible team. This could be one of the most improved teams pushing, pushing for a spot in like the AFC championship game. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think they could get very close. And I think in year two, year two, with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, they might be able to uh, they might be able to pull it. So I am excited to see what happens here. And let's get into it. So coaching is the biggest thing for this team, and that's what's gonna transition and shift everything because they lost offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. And they got Kellen Moore in as the new offensive coordinator. Now, overall, that's going to be great for the offense. They're going to be much better. It's going to be good. I'm excited for it. I like it. We saw what Kellen Moore was able to do in Dallas. 
And the Chargers have better weapons in every single spot than Dallas. Every single spot. So I, I just, I absolutely, I really do like the fit. However, there is one big however, which we will be breaking down thoroughly. Joe Lombardi leaving is going to severely hurt one specific player on this Chargers offense. And if you are an OG deep diver and you remember when Joe Lombardi got came to the team, how I shifted and changed my projections for this one specific player, knowing what Lombardi's plan was going to be, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we will get into that. I'm going to tease. I got to tease it a little bit. So let's look overall what happened last year. Last year, the Chargers had the second most offensive plays in the NFL, 1,115. It's not going to get better than that. They had 711 pass attempts. That is not going to get better. It's not getting better than 711 pass attempts. Only 404 runs. They passed the ball 64% of the time, so obviously they ran 36% of the time. That is the highest pass rate in the league. Highest pass rate and the most plays. Deadly combination for passing numbers, passing production. That is good for Austin Eckler, for Keenan Allen, for Mike Williams, for Justin Herbert, for everybody. Now let's look at Kellen Moore with the Cowboys because, I mean, shoot, if Lombardi's leaving and they had the most plays and passed the ball so much and did all these things, why, why'd they kick out Lombardi? You know, maybe was he doing good? Was he not doing good? Look at all these numbers that are so high. Well, let's look at Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore had 1,087 plays with the Cowboys. That was the fifth most, 1,087. They passed the ball 51% of the time. So huge, drastic change from what the Chargers were last year. And because of that, I think, not not because of the change, but because of Kellen Moore's 1,087 plays with the Cowboys, he does have a high play count with them. And the Chargers had a high play count. Let's just merge it together. They're going to still have a high amount of plays. So I'm projecting 1,100, a little bit less than last year for the Chargers. I think the Chargers will be better than Dallas last year, which is why they'd be able to run more plays. But also... I don't think they're going to be in as crappy situations where they're... Because, think about it. When they're passing the ball 64% of the time, and w- which we'll get into the fact that their passing was very inefficient last year. If you're an inefficient passing attack and you're passing all the time, you're stopping the clock all the time, and the amount of clock that goes off per plate is way shorter, which allows you to get in those plays. Generally, I like to say this. Generally, I like to say that... If an offense has a high total play count, it's because their offense is good. Either the offense is really good, the defense is really good. One of those two things, when it's really, really high, it's usually a combination of both, like what the Bucks had in their Super Bowl year. However, there's also instances of pace that coaches may try to implement. Some, or quarterbacks, like a Tom Brady. Tom Brady has high pace. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Next play. Next play. Next play. No huddle. No huddle. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Offenses like that, they're going to have higher play counts because they're not letting the clock just burn in the game when they're huddled up. So you've got that in mind. You got to keep stuff like that in mind too. And that's why Arizona, which had a bad offense, was able to have so many high plays because they're high pace offense. So things like that are good to keep in mind. However, Kellen Moore and this offensive 
unit for the Chargers are going to merge well, and I think they are still going to have that high play count. They're just going to be more efficient, not have to, uh, to you know, have as many incompletions and stop the clock as much because they're just not doing well. They're going to get those completions. Clock's going to burn a little bit more. So that's why I have them with less plays from last year for the Chargers, but more plays than the Cowboys, if that makes sense. I'm trying not to get too, too deep into it because we've got a lot to get into for this team specifically. So let's look at pass run, and this is very tough. It's very tough for me to decide at what percentage this team is going to pass the ball. Because like I told you, Kellen Moore last year passed the ball 51% of the time. But in 2021 with the Cowboys, they passed the ball 58% of the time. Herbert is no question better than Dak Prescott. No question. Now, we have to remember that the Chargers, if they're good and they play smart, they should be in leads more than what they are used to and not have to play catch-up throwing the ball, especially when you're looking when you looking at a division like that. If they're better and they don't have to just be playing catch-up all the time, they're not going to pass the ball as much. Plus, Kellen Moore just in general doesn't pass the ball nearly as much as what they did last year. It was number one in the league for a reason. 64% pass rate is ridiculous. I still think that they're going to throw a lot, just not as much. I have the Chargers bringing it back, passing 60% of the time. Okay, that's more than what Kellen Moore has done with the Cowboys, but he's got a better unit to be doing it in L.A. because Herbert's no question better than Dak. The wide receiver core as a whole, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, Darius Davis, like that's a better group by far than the Cowboys wide receiver group. And then Austin Eckler as a receiving threat is much better than Tony Pollard, which Tony Pollard's a good receiving threat too. Zeke's actually not bad himself, but Austin Eckler's on a different level. So it makes sense why Kellen Moore would have his highest pass rate. And with that, with that said, that 1,100 total plays that we're projecting at a 60% pass rate is going to be 660 passes for the Chargers. That is 51 passes less than last year. That's 440 runs. Kellen Moore's offenses over the past two years have had 55 and 52 touchdowns. Okay, we just talked about how the Chargers in every category almost are better, at least at the skill possession skill positions are better than the Cowboys. And the Cowboys had 55 and 52 touchdowns the last two years. The Chargers last year had 41 touchdowns. 41 touchdowns. With the weapons that LA has, they have no business having less than 50 touchdowns, especially in that division when they're competing against high-tier offenses or what we expect to be high-tier offenses for the most part. Thinking that, you know, Sean Payton's going to help Russell Wilson, and they're going to be able to take a step forward. So I expect a huge uptick in that department. They're not going to have 41 touchdowns. They're, they're going to have guys, because we, when we do projections, we project for health. Projecting for health, health, a healthy Chargers offense last year probably would have had 46, 47 touchdowns. We'll now add Kellen Moore and Quentin Johnson. They're hitting 50 at least, at least. So I'm giving them 50 with upside for more than that. I So I expect, like I said, a huge uptick there. I'm giving them 12 rushing touchdowns, 38 passing touchdowns. I got the 38 after I projected Justin Herbert and got his passing touchdown rate. That came out to 38. And then 12 rushing touchdowns is what I came out with through all my projections in the rushing game for them. So that's 50. Basically, 
the offense will pass less, but much more efficiently. That's the takeaway from everything we've talked about so far. Less passing volume, more efficiency. Now let's get into Justin Herbert. The shoulder injury last year, first off, killed his rushing stats. Killed them. Because he was afraid to take hits, and he was afraid to hit the ground. So he's just not. he just wasn't running because he didn't want to open himself up to that possibility. He will get back to his rushing average of about 60 carries, 250-ish yards, and three touchdowns. I have him throwing 660 passes. His efficiency is going to go up. Last year, he had 68% completion. This year, or I'm sorry, last year he had 68% completion. His first two years, he had 67. The average over the last two years for Dak Prescott was 67. So you're like, oh, well, that he wasn't that inefficient last year. Well, the reason his completion percentage was higher was because his yards per completion were in the tank, absolutely in the tank, not even double digits, 9.9 yards per completion. That is atrocious. I haven't looked at the whole league yet, but that might have been, or it's very close to being the worst yards per completion in the league. And we're talking about Justin Herbert with the weapons that he had, even though they were hurt. That's There's no excuse for that. And so that is why I just know he's going to be more efficient because his average is 11.1 in his first two years, 11.1 yards per completion, not 9.9. Dak under Kellen Moore over the last two years, 11 yards per completion, not 9.9. So that's going to go up. That's easy. That's easily going up. Plus, with the additions, with health, all of these things, I'm projecting 11.3 yards per completion for Herbert. I'm bringing his completion rate from 68 back down to 67 like his first two years, like what Dak has had the last two years under Kellen Moore. It just makes sense. And I'm expecting a 7.4 yards per average minimum, minimum, which is what I'm projecting, minimum, or I'm close to what I'm projecting. So 7.4 yards per average minimum for Justin Herbert with the chance to get to about 7.8. I have him at 7.6 in my projections. Why do I think that that's the minimum? Well, once again, it works out too clean, too easy to explain. First two years, Justin Herbert average 7.4 yards per attempt. Dak Prescott, last two years under Kellen Moore, passing average, 7.4 yards per attempt. With everything going on in this offense, it's going to be at least that. Kellen Moore is not going to come in here and just ruin Justin Herbert. He's done very good, and I believe he made Dak look better than Dak is. So he's going to elevate Herbert. When you get an offensive mind with a good young quarterback who's just flourishing like this, beautiful things happen. That's what's going to happen this year. Dak averaged... A 6% touchdown rate over the last two years. Herbert in his first two years had 5.5% touchdown rate. Both of those are much higher than the NFL average. Last year, his touchdown rate tanked because of his injury and because of everybody else's injuries, but mainly because of his his shoulder injury, which is also why, going back to that 9.9 yards per completion, well, I guess I said there's no excuse for it. I'm saying in a vacuum. Herbert did actually have a legitimate excuse because of his shoulder. But So let me just clarify that and, um, you know, fix that thing that I said earlier. So yes, obviously, Herbert had an excuse. But I'm just saying generally, like 9.9 yards per completion is inexcusable. So with all of his numbers being in the tank last year from an injury, wide receivers being injured, not having Quentin Johnson, not having Kellen Moore, all of those things, that is some of the most improvements, most things to raise a projection I have ever seen happen for the same person in one year. Usually it's like, oh, they added one weapon 
or oh they got a better offensive coordinator or oh they were hurt last year but now they're healthy not all three of them all together at the same time that's just not very common then we have that touchdown rate right that we have to to project so i'm projecting a 5.8 percent touchdown rate in between the averages that i gave you of herbert's first two years Dak's last two years things like that so that's going to be the 38 touchdowns we talked about earlier Overall, for Justin Herbert, I have him at 250 rushing yards, 3 touchdowns, 5,000 passing yards, and 38 passing touchdowns. That's 23.3 points per game, just below, barely, Justin Fields. Now, if you want to take Herbert before Fields, I get it. Herbert's probably safer. However, his ceiling is not higher than Fields because of the rushing that Fields possesses. And you're getting Fields way later. Well, I don't know if you're getting him way later. I think Fields is going like around later. So I would still take Fields. But they're right next to each other, pretty much like right next to each other for me. Then we have Austin Eckler. This is where the projection gets hefty. This is where we're going to go very deep. And then I'm probably going to burn through the receivers just to not keep you guys too much. Uh, I'll try to, to not leave too much out, though. So Austin Eckler. Joe Lombardi being gone is going to kill him. It's not going to kill kill him. Like He's still going to be a very good running back for fantasy football. However, at his value right now, he's not worth a pick. He's not worth being picked where he's going. He is the RB2 in rankings for redraft in PPR. He will not be the RB2. It's not going to happen. Unless injuries just ravage the rest of the running backs, Austin Eckler will not be a top three running back in PPR this year. Joe Lombardi was perfect for him. Way back when, when Lombardi first came, if you remember on the podcast for my Chargers projections, I went against the grain. All of the experts had him, had Austin Eckler at like back end RB1 between 10 and 14, between like RB10 and 14. I think the highest I ever saw him ranked by any expert on any podcast, on any site, in any article was maybe RB6. I had him at RB3. Everybody thought I was crazy. I got into many arguments about it on Twitter. I projected him for double-digit touchdowns, despite that seeming ludicrous given his past history. I cited Kamara's red zone usage. His, um, not just his red zone usage, but how often he gets targeted in the red zone. The percentage of touchdowns he always gets comparatively to his secondary running back. All of these things I cited from Kamara and drew the similarities to Eckler because that's what Lombardi created. That was the role Lombardi created and saw with Kamara, and he did the exact same thing for Eckler, and Eckler almost hit my projection exactly. I smashed it because I put him at RB3. I was the highest, the single highest person to rank Austin Eckler that year, and it was not close, and he finished above my projection at RB2. I put him at RB3, consensus was at like RB10, and he finished at RB2. He outdid my projection by 17 fantasy points, that is one point per game. And I was the closest ranker to him in all fantasy football projectors. projectors. But now Lombardi's gone, and we need to get that reality check. Lombardi is gone, Eckler is 28, there are more receiving weapons in the offense, and Kellen Moore's usage for running backs is in no way similar to Lombardi's. Okay? Last year, inside of the 20, 
running backs for Kel- and Kellen Moore's offense had one receiving touchdown. Only got 13 targets inside the 20 to the running back position as a whole. Only 13 targets. In 2021, there was only two touchdowns of 40. Of 40 passing touchdowns, there was only two in the red zone to running backs. 19 targets. Okay? They also, Kellen Moore, splits the carries between his one and two backs heavily. I don't expect that to happen. Austin Eckler doesn't have anywhere close to a, like, similar in value or similar in talent running back two. Like, it's not like Pollard Zeke, where Pollard is very close to Zeke and now is better than Zeke. That's not the case here. So that's not going to continue, but you just have to note it. Okay, Kellen Moore does like to split up the carries between two backs pretty evenly and pretty heavily. Not evenly, but heavily. So remember those numbers for the targets, okay? Inside the 20 in the past two years, in the past two years combined for Kellen Moore, there have been 20, 32, 32 targets to the running back position. Austin Eckler alone not the running back position as a whole. Austin Eckler alone last year, inside the 20, had five receiving touchdowns. Okay, in the last two years, Kellen Moore has had three inside the 20 to all of the running backs. Eckler alone has had five last year inside the 20 and 25 targets. There was 13 to the entire position for Kellen Moore inside the 20 last year. There was double that for Eckler by himself last year. Pollard is a good receiving running back. Zeke is a decent receiving running back. Are they Austin Eckler? No. Do I think Kellen Moore is going to treat Eckler the exact same way as his past running backs? No. He's going to acknowledge the talent, but he's not going to acknowledge the talent the way Lombardi did. It's not going to happen. Now, deciphering Austin Eckler's target share is tough. If you look at Kellen Moore's offense, 15% of the targets went to the running backs. Austin Eckler alone last year had 18% of the targets. He led the team. Yes, because of injuries, but still. He had a 14% target share, Austin Eckler, in the games that Keenan Allen played. Because Keenan Allen is a target hog. He's the number one in the offense when healthy. In those games, Austin Eckler only had a 14% target share. Still, almost about what the entire running back position had for the Cowboys. And you have to remember the context of the Cowboys last year. Amari Cooper's gone. Michael Gallup's hurt. It's basically CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. And with only those two guys, the running back position still only had 15% of the targets. I was actually surprised by that when I looked into it. I thought it would have been much higher. So the fact that the weapons around the running back position, the wide receivers are much more decorated in this offense. You have Gerald Everett, who's a pretty good wide, uh, pretty good receiving tight end. You've got Donald Parham. You've got these wide receiver four and fives in Josh Palmer, Darius Davis, that are going to be among the best in the league at that four or five spot. And you've got these elite guys, or not elite anymore, but very good wide receivers in Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, and we'll see what Quentin Johnson does. There's no incentive for him to throw the ball to the running back. There, There's not, especially if he wants to push it down the field. And if Keenan's healthy, Keenan's going to eat up a lot of that short area targets. So Austin Eckler's target share is not going to be what it was. With Keenan fully healthy, Kellen Moore throwing less to the running backs, the addition of Quentin Johnson, I see a huge step back from 
18% target share last year, 14% in the games Keenan played, to a 13% target share this year. That's actually not even probably the drop you were expecting for me to say, because if he had 14% with Keenan healthy, then really dropping him down to 13%, projecting Keenan to be healthy, is not that big of a difference. You're right, and that should scare you, because of where you see my Austin Eckler ranking to be when we're done with this talk. So that gives me 86 targets for Austin Eckler. I'm giving him his average efficiency. His wide receiver weapons will make it easier for him. It's going to help him be more efficient, but that's going to be combated by his age. So I'm giving him about similar efficiency. It's hard to fathom Herbert throwing 38 touchdowns and Eckler only having four of them, but that's on par with Kellen Moore's offenses. And because of what we talked about with that receiving, the red zone usage for the receiving uh, running backs. Due to Eckler's talent and fear of wide receiver injury, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him five receiving touchdowns. Okay, He's averaged six over the last four years, despite way less touchdowns available in the past. In the past, you know, the, the Chargers offense was not throwing 38 touchdowns. Herbert did that in 2021. And Eckler had eight. So I have him doing it again this year, and I only have Eckler having five. So I, I see the role just diminishing. So in the receiving game for Austin Eckler, that's 86 targets, 72 receptions, 541 yards, five touchdowns. And then we've got to look at the carries. Now there's going to be 360 carries available to the running backs after I take away Herbert's. Because remember, we projected 40% of the runs. We explained how we got the play total. So that was after we take out Herbert's carries and a couple carries for the wide receivers and gimmicky stuff and our, you know all that. We have 360 carries to go to the running backs. Eckler probably gets about 65-70% of it. I'm projecting 70%. That's going to be 252 carries, 15 per game. He's going to be very good with efficiency. He has been stable here. You look at his averages, 4.5, 4.6, 4.5, 4.6. I'm giving him 4.7. I'm giving him six of the nine touchdowns available for the running backs because Herbert's got three on the ground at the 12. That's going to be 252 carries, almost 1,200 rushing yards, 1184, and six rushing touchdowns. You combine that with his receiving stats, that is 18.3 points per game for me. And there's the yawn again. I tried to hide it. I don't know if you could tell. Running back five to seven is where he's at for me. Like I said, right now, PPR, he's RB2. For me, he's RB5-7. to seven. Coming from me, the guy who held up Eckler the highest, brought him into the light, hit on him before anyone else had as an elite player for fantasy football. Coming from me, you should be concerned that he is my RB5-7, to seven, and you should not be drafting him where he's going. His usage won't be the same. That's what it chalks up to. It's that simple. His usage is not going to be the same. Now let's get into the wide receivers. Keenan Allen, we're going to burn through them until we get to one specific one. Keenan Allen, 22% target share last year. You remove his two hurt games where he played less than 50% of the snaps. Well, now look at it. All of a sudden, it's a 25% target share, which is more realistic and more on par with what he is for that offense. He's not going to be the one to be hurt by the Quentin Johnson addition. He's still the number one. He'll be in the slot even more because Quentin Johnson is going to be outside in three wide sets. So Keenan Allen is going to be in the slot almost primarily, I would I would say. 
or, or close to it. You know, when they go to wide receiver, they're probably not taking him off the field that much. It'd probably be Quentin coming off the field. But for the most part, Keenan Allen's going to be in the slot. I'm projecting 23% of the targets. Remember, 25% last year in his actual games where he played. And now I'm projecting 23%. I'm giving him a high catch rate, projecting 73% in a low yards per kick per catch because of him playing in the slot and him being a little bit older now that's 11 yards per reception similar to last year overall both of those numbers just slightly slightly less efficient because of mainly the age i'm giving him eight of the 38 touchdowns available that's on par with his target rate he is consistent he's my type of wide receiver for people that go early running back approach which is me you guys know me i always go heavy on the running backs i'm not shy about it i don't care that's just how i play fantasy football it's been extremely successful for me i have tried other things and i have been successful in other ways but for me the easiest way that i find success is by kind of pounding the running backs and grabbing the wide receivers that i know are good values I've always been grabbing the Jarvis Landry's, the Tyler Boyd's, the Robert Woods, guys like that. This year, you guys know I love Juju. Juju's a very good value, very stable, consistent, reliable, good wide receiver too for your heavy running back, get an elite tight end builds. Well, the wide receiver one above Juju that's perfect for that is Keenan Allen. If you go running back, tight end, running back, and then whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever is there, maybe a, another running back or whatever the case may be, you just go heavy up there at the top and you get Keenan Allen in the fourth. So let's say you go running back, tight end, running back. You get Keenan Allen in the fourth, go and get an, grab another running back, whatever. Get Juju in the 10th <laughs> as your wide receiver too <laughs> with everything else absolutely stacked. I'm telling you right now, you would be absolutely fine with no issue at all having Keenan Allen and Juju as your wide receiver one and two. And at cost, that's round four and round, let's even bump it up a little bit, round nine for your wide receivers. And that would be beautiful. They, you would be almost guaranteed 20 points per game between the two of them every single week consistently. You would get 10 out of both of them every week at least. So that would be perfect. I love stuff like that. I love that. Keenan is basically the higher volume version of Juju this year. So 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 overall for Keenan, that's 152 targets, 111 receptions, 1,219 yards, and 8 touchdowns, 16.5 points per game. He is a back-end wide receiver 1, high-end wide receiver 2. I do have him ranked about where he's ranked in drafts. I just like taking him because he is not somebody that's going to hurt you. He's going to help you. Now, yes, he has possible injury concerns but let me tell you something if you're always playing fantasy football worried about injury you are going to miss out because there will be guys that have up that upside have that great discount and you're going to pass up on them because you're scared they're going to get injured and when they don't and they pop off and they could have been the reason you won you're going to hate yourself don't be like that take risks it's fantasy football it's fun if you don't think it's fun then fine you know, I always stand by, go with what's fun. If you don't think it's fun to take a risk like that, fine. But I love I love stuff like that, you know, and that's how you win. So Keenan Allen, if he's healthy, he's going to be great. And also, Quentin Johnson, 
once preseason starts, he's going to make like a highlight play or something, or there's just going to be some a lot of buzz in camp. And Quentin Johnson is going to skyrocket, and I'm telling you, by the time redraft drafts begin, Keenan Allen's price will be extremely low compared to what it is now. Right now, he's going in the fourth round. He'll probably be like back of the fifth by the time we get to redraft season. So just just hold off a little bit, and he's going to be great. He's going to be a great price wide receiver. In Dynasty, he is somebody I would be trading for for win-now mode. And we talked about Eckler. Eckler, guys, if you can flip him for like, this is going to sound hot takey. I know it is. But I have him one tier above Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is younger. Miles Sanders just signed a new contract. They don't really, in my opinion, have an incentive to replace him right now because they have a quarterback on a rookie contract. And so until they pay that quarterback, they're probably going to be able to afford Miles Sanders' contract, which is only three years. So they're never going to have to have an overlap at quarterback with Miles Sanders' contract. So that's perfect. He's probably going to be there all three years, and he's probably going to play pretty good for them all three years because he's never had crazy tread taken off of his tires. I would flip Eckler in a dynasty league for Miles. If you're not trying to win this year, for Miles Sanders and a high second-round pick, you might be able to get Miles Sanders and a late first. I don't think so, but I know some people that would do that. So, you know, test the waters. Test the waters. That's all I would say. If you could get, like, a Gibbs-Eckler swap straight up, like, let's say, you know, somehow somebody who's, like, going all in and about to thinks they're going to win the whole thing, they just drafted Jameer Gibbs, right? And you have Austin Eckler. Wait till week three before Gibbs gets fully integrated as that receiving role that he will end up with by the end of the season, by probably mid-season, even before that. By like, you know, week three, see if that guy, that contender who has Gibbs, will give you Gibbs for Eckler. Because Eckler will be outperforming Gibbs in the beginning of the season for sure. So that's a that's a nice swap to think about. It's, and you it's always about timing. You might not be able to flip Eckler for Gibbs right now, but... Once the season starts and a couple weeks have gone by and all that hype has faded, that's when you make that move. Okay, into Mike Williams. 19% of the targets last year, if you remove his injured low snap games, 19% of the targets. His efficiency should be better. I'm giving him about the same targets as last year, 18% this year. Quentin Johnson, you guys might be saying, well, you know, Keenan Allen, you didn't hurt him that much, only 2%. Uh, Mike Williams, you didn't hurt him that much, only 1%. Where's Quentin getting his targets from? Well, he's basically soaking up the Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter roles. Carter's gone. Palmer's going to get pushed down to wide wide receiver four. Now, going back to Mike Williams, he's going to be very good on a like per-target basis for fantasy production, so he's not going to need nearly as much targets as a guy like Keenan Allen. He's just going to be more volatile. So he's going to have like a high yards per reception that's just the type of guy he is he's going to get really into that this year because herbert's going to take more shots downfield herbert's shoulders healthier kellen Moore likes to go downfield they have keenan allen austin eckler healthy close to the field to cover it and they've got quentin johnson on the other side that might threaten at some point in the season some corners so that's going to be very good for mike williams efficiency he grades out as some of or as one of the wide receivers with the best hands in the league, he's on the all-hands team. He is 
a top five, maybe, definitely top 10, maybe a top five reliable 50-50 ball wide receiver. It's Mike Williams and George Pickens. Those dudes are always open, and when I say always open, I mean open when covered because nobody is always open in terms of separation. There are crazy separators like a Tyreek Hill, Jerry Judy, guys like that that they're pretty much always open, like close to it with their route running, but sometimes they can still get smothered. Well, Mike Williams can be smothered. He's still open. Just throw the ball to him, and he'll come down with it. 62% catch rate is what I'm projecting. That's lower than recent, but a higher yards per catch, because like I said, I think he's going to go downfield a lot more. 16.5 yards per catch. Giving him nine touchdowns of the 38. He is a boom bust wide receiver, yes. There's John number two. Let's see how many we get this podcast. I think at this point, it's just becoming a trope. So nine touchdowns for Mike Williams. He's a boom bust guy. He's better for best ball, for sure. Definitely a good best ball wide receiver. He's going to be good for DFS if you can try to pinpoint when to use him. I have him at 119 targets, 74 receptions, 1,215 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. That's 14.7, 14.7 points per game. He is a boom bust flex, and he's a good one. Or he's a wide receiver too, if you wait on wide receiver. He is a huge value right now. He is ranked wide receiver 29. By the time I am done with my projections, I expect him to grade out as about 16 for me, like 16 to 18 for me. So probably more like 18, but that's a big difference. Wide receiver 29 to wide receiver 18. That's a big difference in rankings. It has to be because people are scared of the injury. Now, I had a good friend of mine say, well, you know, Brandon, I, I get the hype, but Mike Williams, he's only been a wide receiver one, one year. Even when you're looking at other years that he was healthy for most of the time, he was a wide receiver three. Why is he going to be so good this year? Well, I answer you this. What is the one year that Mike Williams was a wide receiver one? It was the year he played almost the whole time, and Justin Herbert threw the ball almost 700 times. Last year, Justin Herbert threw the ball just about. He's very close to that, except Mike Williams was dealing with injuries. Well, I still have him throwing pretty close to that, 660 passes. So there's two things you got to look at with Mike Williams. It's the passing volume. This is what's been holding him back in the years that he was healthy beforehand because it's not like he was bad and got way better. He's been pretty good throughout most of his career. So the biggest two things was passing volume for him and passing efficiency. Phillip Rivers was shot. Mike Williams makes his money on the deep ball. Makes his money on the deep ball. Phillip Rivers, that didn't exist. So that's why Mike Williams didn't exist as an elite wide receiver for fantasy or a very good fantasy wide receiver when Phillip Rivers was the quarterback because they don't go together. They don't make sense. It's like water and oil. Now, you put Herbert with Mike Williams. Herbert's got a cannon. It's like soap and water. You drop that soap in the water, you mix it up, and oh, you know you get those bubbles with that beautiful shine, that, that purple-pink-green like reflection off the top of the bubble that hits like when the light hits the water off the bubble. You know that shine? That's Mike Williams this year. You like that? That's Mike Williams this year because 
He's going to have the volume. He's going to have Herbert with a not-bum shoulder. Herbert that can actually throw the ball downfield again. And he's going to have weapons around him to take the pressure off to help him be super efficient. This will be... This will be given... Or take, you know... Um, what is it? What's the word? Like, something for injury. Insulate? No, I don't know. Like, if you take injury out of the equation and say no chance he gets hurt this year, this will be Mike Williams' most efficient year of his career. It's either this or the one time he was a wide receiver one. But if it's not this year, then this will be his second most efficient year of his career. And I would put money down on it. Now we've got Quentin Johnson projecting 15% of the targets to go to him. Upside for more with possible injuries to the vets that are aging in front of him. I'm expecting a lackluster, inconsistent, flash-in-the-pan, here-and-there rookie season for Quentin Johnson. I'm giving him a 50% catch rate, 17 yards per reception, 7 touchdowns. It's 99 targets, 50 receptions, 842 receiving yards, 7 receiving touchdowns. It's 10.4 points per game. He is my second-highest-ranked rookie wide receiver at 10.4 points per game. Jordan Addison is my number one at 12.1 points per game. So I have a pretty comfortable margin there. I do think Addison will be the best rookie wide receiver. But Quentin Johnson does have high upside with those vets possibly getting hurt again. However, he's not going to be efficient, and I don't think he's going to be reliable. Well, there's no way if they stay healthy he's going to be reliable, and you're not going to even play him at all. But if guys get hurt in front of him, he'll probably be an unreliable boom-bust guy that's just a much lesser version of Mike Williams. With that said, didn't project anybody else. There's still about 200 targets to go around, just over 10 targets per game to go around to the rest of the guys. Meaning, you know, Josh Palmer could get three tar- three Josh Palmer could get three targets. Another running back could get a target. Gerald Everett could get three or four targets. And then you've got like two targets left for any random random guys. Darius Davis on a nine route. Blah 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 blah. So it worked out perfectly. That's the projections for the Chargers. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, oh, also, I have one more dynasty stash. So Darius Davis is a beautiful dynasty stash. Another guy, super cheap at this point, Isaiah Spiller. This was a pretty good running back class. The Chargers were not hurting too much, too much on, uh, I'm actually going to rescind that comment. But I'll just say this. There was running backs to be had in free agency. Chargers had money enough to get one. They didn't. There was a lot of running backs that fell late that were very good in the draft the Chargers could have had, and they didn't get them. They drafted one last year, who I liked a lot, who had ranked above guys like Damian Pierce and Rashad White and James Cook. Isaiah Spiller, ring a bell? A lot of people have already forgot about him. He was a rookie last year. He has a similar skill set to Austin Eckler. I could see him playing a similar role albeit at a lesser degree, when Eckler is on his way out next year. Even if they bring in another running back next year, unless it's like super high draft capital, it could be like a 50-50 timeshare where Spiller has value. He's a good stash. Buy low right now. Buy him, and if you can put him on your taxi, do it, because you're not going to want to use him this year unless Eckler gets hurt, which, of course, not wishing. And, um, yeah, so don't don't forget about Spiller. I, I Actually, there's a lot of interesting things on this team. There really is two stashes with Darius Davis and Isaiah Spiller, a good opportunity to try to sell on Austin Eckler, because I do think 
he's not going to produce what people are expecting. So you can try to sell him there. I might actually be looking to do that right now in a keeper league where I have Eckler. So we'll look into that. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Drop rating, drop a review. Till next time, peace.